I was essentially team mom at my last job. I knew all of the things. I helped all of the guys. It was great. But then you get tired because 14 hours a day is not feasible. Welcome to CozyCast, the continuous security podcast. In this show, we'll be looking to smooth that gap between security storytellers and DevOps movers and shakers. Sit back, put your tray tables down, recline your seats. Relax, let's get started. Hello, hello, once again, welcome to CozyCast. I'm your host, Steve Jaguer, and my guest in this one is Jessica Cherry. She is an SRE working for Elastic. Uh, her talents certainly extend beyond that, though. She is a self-proclaimed tech enthusiast. She is a tech writer. She has a book coming out soon. She is a chaos engineering, let's say, expert, because this that's what got me interested in bringing her on the podcast. I saw her at a meetup do a talk about chaos engineering, and it was fascinating. She is extremely experienced and definitely opinionated about the subject, among other things. So... If this is your first experience listening to Jessica, I am very pleased to introduce you. Let's get started. Jessica Cherry. Jessica Cherry, thanks for being on CozyCast. I saw you recently on the Kubernetes Security Meetup where you did a really excellent presentation on chaos engineering called Chaos Engineering Love and Destruction. It was interesting enough for me uh, from coming from a security background that I thought people who are interested in things like security really should be a part of this kind of education. Um, so thanks for being on the show. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Never done a yeah. podcast. Super excited. Okay. Um, not nervous at all. No, super nervous. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Yeah. So I'm just going to do kind of the usual start and just ask you to introduce yourself maybe where you work, if you're happy to say that now, uh, kind of what you do. I mean, I kind of know what you do, but then get into how you got to the place you are right now, because the evolution of people in our space is always an interesting, uh, sometimes bizarre journey. So I'll hand it over to you to do your in your own intro. Okay. I'm Jessica Cherry. I work for Elastic. I do um, site reliable site reliability engineering. So what that means is my job is to keep things up, work on call, try to advocate for better code all over the place. Um, I am taking kind of a break from Kubernetes, but I'm eventually going to move back to that. It's more to work basic infrastructure right now. Um, so that is kind of what I'm doing right now. How I got to this point, I would say... The best description I've been told of myself is tech nomad, right? So I started as a network administrator. There was a huge financial problem in the country. I got laid off. I moved on to help desk. And from there, it's like server building code for, you know, CPUs and stuff. And then kind of wandered around all over the place. Ended up my last job doing nothing but Kubernetes for three years straight. Right. And so, um, and before that it was like OpenStack cause OpenStack was like the new cool thing at the time. Um, and that was pretty amazing, but 24 hour a day work was not totally the best for me. So, um, that is kind of how I ended up 
taking my job that I currently have because they're normal hours and on call is during the day shift. So, and not while I'm sleeping. So the, the notion of SRE is, would you say it's recent that, that title or how long I think that's been around? Um, I have heard about SRE stuff for like the past two ish years, but I've never really gotten a full explanation definition of it until about the end of the year last year, which I got the full, you know, we want to keep things up. We want to keep things reliable. And to do that, there's a lot of, you know, we're going to help with the architecture. We're going to advocate for more things within each team so that, you know, when there is an outage, it's, we've kept track of all of these incidences. We've walked through these postmortems. We've gotten better at documenting all of this so that over time stability is essentially the end goal. So why do you think the SRE role is required? Because I, I agree. I only have heard of it for the past two or so years. It didn't exist, I guess before, or it wasn't named. Somebody was doing it or doing it badly enough that it needed its own person. <laughs> I think maybe that's it. <laughs> yeah. So if you're, so let's, let's flip now onto the subject at hand and that is chaos engineering and how, how, how quickly can you introduce what chaos engineering actually is in the context of technology? Um, so I don't know. Do you allow cursing on this or not? Yeah. Like, oh, okay. So I'd say the quickest sentence, break shit on purpose and see what happens. That's cool. That's my quick introduction. You're doing it on purpose just to see what happens. It almost sounds like a kind of the opposite or controlled non-reliability. Yeah, it's the opposite of my current job. Like, so reliability folks focuses kind of like on DR side. And I call this um, like the chaos engineering is essentially like the organized twin sister of disaster recovery, right? Like, because DR only comes up when stuff's broken by accident. You know, that's that's how that comes to be. This is kind of a controlled we can architect our DR much better by doing this controlled atmosphere. And so what's the point? Why, why would I, why do I want to create control, controlled demolition of my environment? What are we, what am I learning by doing that? Well, in certain cases, I would say in my experience, um, how your code works for deployment, right? Like, so you can destroy everything, start all over. How is everything built from scratch based on your code deployment? And how well do your applications maintain when you're constantly in one particular case that I have, um, you have a 10 minute interval of pods just getting killed off. So if your app is constantly bouncing in between pods in a cluster, like how well will it handle during that back and forth constant arbitrary failure? So you so you just even though you're taking a break from Kubernetes, you did sort of just mention a little bit of it there. And I think Kubernetes is a great example of where it does tend to try and maintain state in the midst of potential destruction. However, yeah. what if I were to destroy the cluster? So what, where, where does it, where do we cross over between something where you have an orchestrator that maintains state, which seems like maybe the baby steps into chaos engineering to where you get to a point where you don't maybe necessarily have something that has that state that it's being maintained. 
So the first like deployment example, I actually did destroy a cluster using Terraform <laughs> by sheer accident because I incorrectly assumed I was in the right area and had correctly picked the right cluster and that was wrong. So I can honestly say at that <laughs> point, if you maintain that through some CI, which I did at that point and I could redeploy an entire cluster using CI, yeah, super fun. It's going to take forever, but you can still do that if you're prepped to do that. I can honestly say not many people would go that far, but I would consider myself pretty lazy as far as programming because the more automation, the less likely I am to hear from people. Um, so that, that was kind of how that came to be. I would say the best way though, is like starting with the pods, then move up to like testing nodes, doing the networking, you know, just itty bitty pieces steps along the way just to see, you know, how far can I take this without having a full outage? This is chaos engineering almost a way of a gateway drug to infrastructure as code or maybe the other way around. I would say both ways, right? Because I okay. did infrastructure as code for a very long time, and I still do. It just the current environment, like I said, I'm working in right now, does not do as much, right? Um, you can start, which I did, in infrastructure as code, and then you know move to automation. So you have your first cluster. Congratulations, all your code works. Let's work on putting some CI together, and then deploy more infrastructure as code. And if you didn't do that to start with, once you start chaos engineering and you have everything about your cluster, you can move into, you know, well, we need to do this infrastructure as code. We need this to work the way it would be best for chaos engineering for deployments. I'm sorry. My words got messed up. <laughs> it lends itself towards infrastructure. Are, are we allowed to say everything is code yet? Or is that just too pie in the sky to even... Approach that. I would love for everything to be as code, but I just don't think it's happened yet. I, I, it would be nice, but it's going to take yeah, a long time. I don't think I've ever seen it. I've seen it written like a hundred to one ratio to where I've any seen, ever seen anybody even come close. But the evolution of chaos engineering, do you think it comes from mitigating a negative result of your on-call uh, behavior? so that you are ready for when there is an actual proper outage? Was it originally designed around preparing for that as opposed to prepping better? I would say with the way it worked is Netflix started it based on some of their incidences and they did a great job putting something out there and, and it's just now starting to catch, right? So the, in my opinion, you get incidences and sometimes those can be like post-release code or, you know, hey, there was a hot fix that went out and it broke 16 other things. So I would say the best way when you start with this, yes, use your incidences and start planning. It, and that way you're mitigating like on-call issues over time. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes to both. Okay, excellent. So Netflix is, am I remembering right? Because I heard a while ago of Chaos Monkey and that that gave them some fame. Is that part of that? Yeah, they're their whole chaos monkey did start kind of everybody talking about how we do chaos. So in the talk you made on the meetup, something that I found intriguing was an almost sarcastic reference to the heroes. And that is the people who have been working in a particular organization. I'm just going to throw this out there. Let's say banks that have, have the tribal knowledge or have this 
this ability to save the day. And they value this ability to save the day. But it sounds like you're putting in the context that chaos engineering, I'm not I just about said, is going to put these heroes out of work. But is there is that, that something that you see as a problem? Personally, no, because okay. I have been that person. And as far as banks go, I know one of those people, right? And they they are 24-7. And they're, you know, any single one problem is suddenly your problem when you're that particular hero. Part of the reason I am anti-tribal knowledge is because I've seen it happen before where everybody's, you know, quit a somebody who was a hero has quit a job, right? And I think it was put best that, you know, when everybody's, oh, well, we'll never recover once you're gone, this, that, and the other. Somebody said to me, well, you know, it's actually much different. You can put your foot in a bucket of water and it's going to lift the water. But once you take it out, you know, water goes back to where it was. That's essentially employment. <laughs> um, and, I know you're in the UK, but here specifically in the US, that's very much true. Like, it, there's a lot of right to work states. Like, that, it is what it is. If you're ending that tribal knowledge, and, and I know a lot of heroes love to be in that place, you are allowing for everything to run smoothly and, and opening the door for you to further yourself. Like, you can go further than just being the hero that's constantly getting phone calls. And and that's kind of where my, like, sarcastic comment was. Because I, I didn't like it. I did not. It was fun at first, right? I was essentially team mom at my last job. I knew all of the things. I helped all of the guys. It was great. But then you get tired because 14 hours a day is not feasible. And, and that's kind of where that comment came from. <laughs> it makes sense. I mean, I'm not going to say I've never been that person. And there's like a mixed reaction that you get between feeling exhausted and having this sort of warm, fuzzy feeling of feeling needed at the same time. But the kind of unrecognized problem is that I created the need by not sharing my knowledge in the first place. So maybe that's a little self-indulgent uh, or it doesn't benefit the organization. It maybe only benefits the person with the knowledge. I've seen that to be true. I mean, I'm not usually big into like our corporate overlords. I can honestly say that. Like, <laughs> I'm really not. But to be honest, it's not about the corporate setting. It's about your coworkers. You don't want people just out there trying to figure stuff out and only being able to call you. I mean, it's not yeah. fair to them. It's not fair to you. This is why documentation is something I constantly bang a drum on or jump on a soapbox repeatedly about. Yeah, I think so. I think well, I like like the analogy you said about the water. Did you just make that up or is that like a known thing? No, actually somebody told that to me the the day I left a job like 3 years ago and I was like, "Oh, thanks for making me feel terrible." <laughs> <laughs> but <Yeah>. you're right. <laughs> it's I think the world has more experience at creating an organization that is resilient to uh, an individual vanishing. And being able to fill that gap quickly via process, et cetera. It's funny that that requires its own phrase and unique study if we're talking about technology for us to realize that it should be that if something vanishes, then it's just a case of deploy the state and get it back to where it was. But it's it's interesting. And the other thing I just clicked when I was thinking about heroes, I knew there was somebody who had mentioned it in the past. 
and this is going to sound like a big clangor of a name drop. So I, I'm, I'm calling myself on it in advance. But in last year when Gene Kim was doing his series of podcasts, and I was lucky to I think get him on the 47th or some meaningless late number like that, he talked about his attraction to ops was, was because that's where the heroes were. And I think he said that about 46 of the 47 podcasts. <laughs> but it was it's interesting that he he comes from a world like before all of this, and he's been that guy. Uh, and that's why he found it so almost interesting and gratifying at the same time to be that. Yet now we're moving toward a space where just kind of do your do your job, make sure it's super reliable and hey, everything actually runs better and everybody's happy. We all sleep at night and we get to have dinner with uh, our friends. Or contribute to open source, really. Or even better. Like hobbies. It's cool. You do a lot of work out in the public. Uh, I've seen you write an article recently on opensource.com. Among other spaces, do you want to tell me a little bit about your um, extracurricular technological activities? Um, yeah, actually, I can because it'll lead into a really interesting point. Um, well, actually, a couple points, right? So I do write for opensource.com. I have a book coming out specifically around SREs and, and Kubernetes. Um, and then this year during the Kubernetes anniversary, I will be doing an entire month long here's how to chaos engineer with the tools and how what when why so that's that's kind of cool but i also have a massive server that's actually right next to me and anything that i can test that's new and shiny and it's not always kubernetes it's just i particularly love kubernetes on my own free time it gets dumped into this server which is all rainbows and sunshine um <laughs> Literally everything's RBG around here. But uh, one of the things I would love to do this year that I haven't gotten to is I, I would love to see what cloud or serverless can do with gardening, right? Like that that's going to be my hobby of choice this year for extracurriculars, like where tech and agriculture can meet. Do you know uh, rancher Adrian Goins? I do not. Adrian lives in Chile. He was on a podcast with me about a year and a half ago. He runs a self-sustaining entire farm using Kubernetes, Pies, serverless, everything. So if you would like to get, I can introduce you to, and he would be very happy to show you his insane setup. He showed me and it's spectacular. He runs his solar farm. (laughs) The book. When's it coming out? All right. Of that, I am waiting on my editors because I sent the last chapter last week to um, the entire editorial board. And so it's opensource.com, so it'll be free. Um, I will be dropping an announcement on my Twitter when I know for sure they're going to drop it um, just because the editors were super, super, super excited. And then just I haven't heard from them since because the last chapter was really long and super detailed. So um, of that one, I don't know. I will probably drop an update here within the next couple of weeks for that. Um, so, yeah, there's awesome. your, I don't know. So if you're listening to this and you're wondering uh, what's the Twitter handle, go check the show notes, scroll down on whatever platform you're looking and it'll be there and you can click and you can follow. So then you can find out when the book is be released. Does that sound fair? Yeah, that sounds fair. Amazing. All right, cool. And then I'm going to move to the, cloud oh i brought first one to ask you by the way when your book comes out i'm probably going to hit you up for another podcast to find out about it in more detail after i've read it of course the 
month long, month long, month long. Yeah. Chaos engineering. Yeah, that with, requires with, a lot of time. <laughs> that's gonna some planning, I would imagine, as well. A decision about what tooling you're going to use. Can you give us a sneak preview of where you're going in terms of tools for chaos engineering? Um. So one of the bigger ones I'm kind of wanting to go really hardcore into is Litmus. Um, mm -hmm. They have an, a massive amount of community-based testing, which looks just absolutely amazing. Um, like I said, this one is going to require way more planning, which was going to happen this weekend, and I'm sure will happen over a series of about eight or nine hours. But due to the large community, like, piece of this i'm gonna see how far i can take it because it, it was not small by any means and i'm super excited to try that out um i'm also gonna cover monitoring within that because i feel like monitoring's coupled well enough with chaos engineering and nobody really talks about that they're all like oh cool we have monitoring but we've never used it to do these two things at the same time so it sounds smart because we did a i read a um a, I guess let's call it anti-patterns for Kubernetes article recently, and they were talking about using using kubectl for debugging as a no-no. Your uh, your monitoring should be set up such that you don't require it, and that would lend itself to what you're saying, actually. I work for Elastic. I mean, it's all graphs and dashboards over here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind, of, kind, kind of sort of a silent plug for that. There we yeah. go. <laughs> Super subtle. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Litmus. So there are a bunch of other tools. Uh, I don't know Litmus super well because that's why I'm talking to you. The last time I saw Litmus uh, mentioned was in over in the UK. We've got a very fun partner called Container Solutions, and they did a comparison of, I'm not going to remember them all, uh, Chaos Toolkit. Does that sound right? Yeah. Litmus yeah. Pumba. Yep, that's another one. And what's the other one that's famous? Chaos Mesh. That's the one you talked yeah. about in your in, uh, you mentioned in your talk. And they went through them all. And I remember Litmus being their favorite. I think, though, because I think it was here. Litmus was their favorite overall. And I, for some reason, I think Chaos Toolkit was their favorite for security. Uh, I believe because Chaos Toolkit also gives you like the whole uh, scanning of the, the containers and ah, okay. allows you to know when SSH is happening, stuff like that. It was a cute, um, it's more complicated to put together, but it did have some cute security pieces to it, which was really nice. Excellent. So what's your favorite? Is it Litmus? Is that why you're diving in? Um, no, actually. <laughs> so I, I personal favorite, Cube Invaders, because I mean, like video game involvement being in there. Um, second, but realistic answer was Chaos Mesh. <laughs> um, okay. Just because there were a lot more web UI stuff. And so in dealing with managers on a regular basis, it's always nice to have pretty pictures. Um, tech leads are cool. Technical mm -hmm. managers are cool. Regular managers need graphs. So, and that's, that's what makes it nice. <laughs> <laughs> that should be a t-shirt. Okay, awesome. Thank you, Jessica. So there will probably be people listening to this who maybe are keen on what you've said, either in terms of becoming an SRE or getting more information on chaos engineering. So let's start with the former. And you have a path that you've told us that got you into this space. How would other people get into this space? Is it via your path? Or would you say, oh my goodness, no, do this instead. This would be way better. <laughs> okay, so so my path is a little weird because I didn't really kind of put it out there as much. I, I rolled with the tide as far as my career went. 
there were places that I wanted to work for that I was not able to previous years before, right? So I wanted to work for IBM three years prior prior to working for IBM, right? It was just, I want to work here. It's a matter of getting there. And a lot of that for me was certifications, online, you know, doing everything you can, meeting at meetups, um, trying to get into open source communities, I mean, a a lot of it is friends, reading, talking, doing stuff like this. Part of the reason I like standing up and going, well, I used to go outside to conferences and give talks, but that's not a thing anymore. Um, Doing stuff like that actually propels you a tad bit forward. And, And it's great because then you meet people along the way that can help you further like everybody has something they can share with you that will definitely push your career that's that's the best part about this community is no one's ever going to put you down they're always going to push you forward personally for the sre stuff i do recommend i think they have an o'reilly book called like searching sre that was actually a great book um and then there's a phoenix i can't remember the name of it super popular within devops phoenix project yeah, the Phoenix Project's actually a good one, and they do cover the whole, there is one pipeline failure, which is your one human that knows everything. Yeah, that's... Brent is the character yeah. in there that knows it, who has all the tribal knowledge, and uh, in my last job, uh, we definitely had a Brent. Se- Seeking SRE is the book, and I'll put a link in the show notes as well, so if you want to just go to O'Reilly and buy that, you can do that too. And so in terms of chaos engineering... Where do you get started to get into that? Is you'd have to be an SRE. Say I'm already an SRE and I want to throw some of this chaos engineering uh, at my organization and you know rock the boat a bit. Where do we go? If you're using Kubernetes clusters, that's kind of already out there. Uh, if you are using regular infrastructure items, it's best to come up with a plan of what you know will break. Um, I know a lot of it's in the cloud now, which means you can just in let's say AWS terminate instances as part of a test, right? Like. We're going to walk through, this is what happened last time. Let's break it again with a plan and have everybody available from X, Y, and Z team to kind of work through it from here. Um, so that that's definitely one of the ways to start within your company. Um, and personal off time, I do love putting stuff on my you know, my own workstation over here and, and breaking things on purpose and kind of taking notes of where things could get better or you know, what things can I talk about in Slack channels in the community? And I do remember you, and I, because I did this, you suggested in one of your slides to just search on awesome chaos engineering. And yeah. I did that uh, right before this talk with you and and noticed a 251 different links that I could go to to learn more about chaos engineering. So, you know, a small university degree, just all there in one GitHub repo. <laughs> no, it's it's amazing. Um, I I heard somewhere, and I can't remember this, but when I was growing up, it, it may have been my mother or my grandmother or something like that, where the more books you read, the more likely you'll be, I guess, an international star of what you know about. And finding links like these always make me happy. And again, I will put that direct GitHub link in the show notes so others don't have to. Well, you could just, you re, you were right. You just Google awesome chaos engineering. It is the first thing. So it doesn't, you almost don't have to put the link in the show notes. Jessica <laughs> Sherry, thank you for being on the show. You've managed to cram chaos engineering into a nice, clean, tight 30 minutes. We just passed over the 31st minute. Uh, is there anything else you would like to talk about? Plug, you've talked about the book, you've talked about the month of chaos engineering. Anything else? 
If you want to learn stuff, definitely go check out opensource.com. I am not the only one that does things on Kubernetes. I have a couple of friends over in Red Hat land that do some amazing things with Raspberry Pis that I totally suggest the reads. Excellent. Well, I'm going to wrap up there. It's been fun. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks once again for listening to CozyCast, and big thanks to Jessica Cherry for being a guest on the show. Tune in next time where I'll be speaking to Alvin Chang about quantum computing and the future. See you then.